Uh, as we uh, continue now, we're going to continue in our series uh, called All Things New. Are you ready for God to do something new in your life? Yeah. Amen. So happy January 8th. Uh, if you were here last week, Pastor Mark talked about victorious resolve, and he reminded us that, that resolutions, those of us who make them, six out of seven people who make resolutions don't actually think they're going to actually come to fruition, that they're actually going to stick to them. And one of the other statistics he shared is, is that uh, most resolu- uh, one in four people who make a resolution, 25% of the people who make resolutions, they break them in seven days. So happy January 8th. At least a quarter of us in here, if statistics hold true, have already broken a resolution. But man, why can't we stick to the change that we long to have in our lives, right? I mean, if, we're draw- if you're drawn at all to make a resolution in your life, you-, you long for change, you long for something different, you long for a new season. And why do we have such a hard time sticking with that change? See, I think, it- at least for me in my own life, I'll, s- I'll speak for me, it's because this This change that we long to make isn't a sprint. It's a marathon. This this year that we're going into isn't a sprint. It isn't a quick... I I would prefer a sprint. I don't like running. I'm going to talk about that in a couple minutes. but, But if I had to run, I'd prefer a sprint because it's over quick. Because the goal's already in sight. And because you just do it and get it done with... But here's the thing, change in our lives isn't a sprint, it's a long-term marathon. This year, 2023, is not going to be a sprint. Sorry, it's going to be a marathon. It's going to be a long run. This Christian life, following Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, this abundant life he's called us to, is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I don't like marathons. I don't like long-distance running for two reasons, maybe more, but, but two reasons off the top of my head that I don't like long-distance running. One is I get tired. It's hard. There's times i got to go uphill, and I just want to quit. And so I don't like long-distance running. You know the other reason I don't like long-distance running is because I get bored. I like the idea of being a runner, but then I get tired and I want to quit. I like the idea of being a runner, and then I go, get, go run, and it's boring. The scenery doesn't change much. And, and that's why I don't like long-distance running. And sometimes, you know, we don't like the marathon of our lives. We don't like the marathon uh, of this life following Christ, I, I think, for the same reasons. At least for me personally. Because sometimes it gets hard, and I get tired, and I just want to quit. Go do something easier. And frankly, sometimes I just get bored. That's not a problem with a Christian life, by the way. That's, that's a problem in me. The scenery just all looks the same. Doesn't look like anything's changing in my life. Doesn't look like I'm getting anywhere. So how do we have a victorious run? And I thought of that as we were going into the new year, and I take time looking at my own life and reflecting on what's ahead. And of course, we look to the answer in the Word of God. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, 1 through 3, very familiar verses to a lot of us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. And so I read that verse, and it's really familiar, because I've been following Christ. It's been a marathon now, 40-some years, off and on imperfectly, but I've heard these words hundreds, maybe thousands of times. And so they don't seem to hold the answers that I know they hold. And, and so God slapped me upside the head a week ago because I was doing this prayer app that I do, and these verses came on, but it wasn't the, verse, the wording I was used to, it was the message. I know some of you just cringed as I said the message because it's a paraphrase of the word of God, and he's, maybe he's strained from the word, and I know some of us shudder at that. And it's good to be concerned about the, the, the content of the word of God and that we stick closely to it. But I'll tell you why I like going to the message at times, because it splashes cold water on my face. It takes words that I'm used to, that I've heard again and again and again, and it shows me something new, maybe something that's always been there and that I've missed. And so, my prayer app, these words came on and said this. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there, in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. And listen, I love this. That will shoot adrenaline in your soul. Anybody need adrenaline shot into their soul this morning? I do. I, I can read Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and I say, yeah, this is so I don't grow weary and lose heart. And I've lost, I've read that so many times that I forget that's not just, these truths are not just for when I feel weary and feel like I'm losing heart. They're for before that. So even as we start this year, maybe you're not at that place yet. It's only January 8th. You're not weary yet. You're not losing heart yet. And yet these truths are for you. Because we could all use a shot of adrenaline in our souls this morning, and God has it for us, I believe. So let's pray to that end, and then we're going to dive back into God's word here and explore this a little further. Lord Jesus, we love you. Jesus, I thank you that you are making all things new. Back in Isaiah, you said the words that we declared over this series, I am doing a new thing. Do you, do you perceive it? Do you see it? And you say later in your word that we're new creations. You promise that you will renew us in mind and heart. And then at the very end of this thing, after time itself has ended, Jesus, you say in Revelation that you are making all things new. God, I thank you that you're always doing something new. You've never stopped, even today. God, help us to see it today. 
Jesus, shoot adrenaline into our souls. Not so that we walk out of here hyped up with a feeling, but so that we know deep down a truth that changes our lives, that you have built us to run. You've gone before us, and if we look to you, fix our eyes on you, you'll keep us from growing weary and losing heart. That's what we need today, Lord. Jesus, fix our eyes on you. I pray that you'd use this time to do that, Lord. Focus our hearts, our minds, our lives in any way that they've been distracted, focus them back where they belong. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So for all those who shuddered at the message, I'll be back in the NIV for the rest of talking about these verses. And we're going to look a little deeper at what this instructs us, what this, these verses invite us to do. But I want to I make us aware of one thing that the writer of Hebrews assumes before he tells us to do anything, we've, we've got to know this right off the bat. He, he says, therefore, he says, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight. We'll talk about that. But he says, let us run. Let us run. That includes you and that includes me. And this, this is important to hear because what he's doing, he says, therefore, right? And he's just gone through, if you're familiar with these verses, Hebrews 11 is a chapter that we call Heroes of Faith. And he's just gone through the lives and the experiences of so many people who have gone before us in their faith and following God. Abraham and Moses and Jacob and all these names. We were in Genesis last year. If you were with us, so many of the people in Genesis, he mentions their names. And he lists out all these people. And he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by these guys, since these men and women have gone before us, let us run. And here's the assumption right off the bat is that you and I are runners. Do you know that this morning? You're a runner. I don't like to admit this because, like I've already told you, I don't like running. I don't see myself as a runner. So there were some guys about six months ago that invited me to come to these workouts, these men's workouts. And, and I needed a, like a, a, a kickstart in, in my workouts. I was lulling in my exercise. Like, yeah, sure, I'll try a workout. But, but, but one thing, tell me, you don't do a lot of running, do you? Because I am not a runner. They said, no, 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 there's not a lot of running. It's like boot camp style. It's hit stuff. It's, you'll be fine. Okay, I'll show up. So I show up to my first workout. And we warm up, and there's like six or ten guys there. And we do pull-ups. It's kind of hard, but I do it. Push-ups, sit-ups do lunge walks, it's getting tough, but we're not running. So okay, this is all right. And then we go over to the parking lot, and then we do burpee broad jumps for like 60, 70 feet across the par parking lot. I was telling this in the pastor's meeting, and somebody didn't know what a burpee broad jump was. So you, you know, a broad jump is just you jump with both feet as far as you can, not like this, but as far as you can. A burpee broad jump is when you do a burpee first, you drop down to the ground, kick your feet out, do a push-up, come back up, jump in the air. You do that, and then you do a broad jump. And we did that for like 60, 70 feet across the parking lot. I don't know how long it was, but it felt long. <laughs> and it was hard. <laughs> but all the time, it's going through my head, this is exhausting, but at least I'm not running. <laughs> so we get done with the 80 feet of, 80 feet of burpee broad jumps. <sighs> I'm 
sitting there like this, and then we, guess what we do? We run. <laughs> For like half a mile or something, I don't know how long it was. All the time I'm thinking, I am not a runner. We get back from the run, and then at least that is over. <laughs> and then we go do all of that four more times. <laughs> I didn't think I was a runner the first time. You should have seen me the last time. And all the time along, I'm thinking, I did not know what I was getting myself into. I do not belong here. If I had any idea what I was signing up for, I never would have shown up. You know what I was doing? I was running, (laughs) even though I'm not a runner. See, sometimes in the Christian life, I think what we do is we read Hebrews 11. We look at Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Ruth, and David, and all the people mentioned. And we get to the end of that, and we say, well, that's great for them, but me, I'm not not one of them. I don't belong. This life following Christ, I had no idea what I signed up for. If I had known what I was signing up for, maybe I never would have shown up. Listen, let me tell you something. When I went to that workout, if I had known what I was signing up for, maybe I never would have gone. But it was too late. I was already in the run. You know something? You might not think you're a runner. You might not think you belong. It's too late. <laughs> you're in the race. Here's the thing the author of Hebrews says. This race, he's talking this run, it's yours. You are a runner. Whether you feel like it or not, whether you think you belong or not, you are a runner. Whether you had no idea what you signed up for. And let me tell you, this applies to you even if you do not follow Jesus Christ. If somebody dragged you here this morning, you want to be anywhere else but here. This is the race you were made for. You just don't know it yet. You're running. You're just running the absolute wrong direction. And that's okay. I run the wrong direction some days too. That's why he's going to tell us, fix your eyes on Jesus. But here's the thing. This is your race. Every word he says, there's no out. It's too late. This applies to you. We're runners. So, if that's true, then let's get on with it, right? So how do we get on with it? Here's what he says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And he's talking about everybody he talked about in Hebrews 11. And everybody else he didn't have time to talk about in Hebrews 11. And he's He's sharing that these are the witnesses. And we get this image, and maybe you've heard this preached before, and it's it's a valid way to preach this word, that that it's like these ones who have gone before us, who've run the race, Moses and Abraham. It's like we're in a stadium, and we're running our race, and they're up in the stands, and they're cheering us on. Way to go. You're doing great. You can do it. I don't think they're saying that, by the way. So that's a, that's a valid way to preach that. They're, they're spectators. Maybe, maybe they're watching from the other side of this. Maybe they can watch our run. I don't know for sure. But I think what's more important and, and, and the more valid argument that the author's making is they're cheering us on, yes, but they're cheering us on in a different way. They're cheering us on by being witnesses to this race because they've run it before. And so he's saying, as you run your race, listen to the witnesses. Because here's the thing, the, the word there that's translated witnesses doesn't mean spectators. It doesn't mean somebody who's sitting back and watching. It means a witness, like a witness on a court stand who gets up and talks about what they know, what they've experienced, what they've been through. They bear witness to it. 
You know, you know what else is that Greek word that's translated witnesses here? It's martu. Martu in the Greek. It's where we get our word martyr. Listen to the witnesses. Listen to the martyrs. Listen to the ones who have given their lives. Maybe their flesh and blood, actual lives and been killed for their faith. Or maybe they've just sacrificed everything they see for everything they couldn't see ahead of them. They've given their lives to it, their witnesses. And this is what they're telling us. This is why we've got to listen to them. Because there's a lot of voices in our lives, in our world, and in our hearts, and in our minds. And as soon as we walk out this door, there's a lot of voices that will tell us what to spend our lives on. What to give our lives to. Watch every commercial, and what are there? There's testimonials, right? Testimonials saying, this product worked for me. This changed my life. And they got five, six, ten people. You know what we got? We got a cloud of witnesses. Hundreds, thousands, billions who have gone before and say this is worth it. Because you read Hebrews 11, and we say heroes of faith. We think they're listed for all the great things they do. I want you to go home, and I want you to read Hebrews 11. I, I wish I had time now. I don't have time. Go home and read Hebrews 11. That's your assignment. And I want you to read and really think about what it's saying about each one of these men and women. And do you know what? Everything it lists for them is not all the awesome things they did. It's not how skilled they are. It talks about Abel and it talks about his sacrifice. Do you know that he, he is not listed because he's an expert sheep raiser? It talks about Noah building a, build, building a boat. He is not listed because of his stunning craftsmanship. It talks about Abraham going to a land he doesn't know. He's not listed because he's some swashbuckling explorer. It talks about Moses. Leading a people in Exodus. He is not listed because he's a highly effective leader. All of the men, all of the women, everything that's listed in Hebrews 11 has one thing in common, just one faith. That's it. Faith, that's the thing they're witnessing to. That's the thing they're telling with their lives. Back in Hebrews eleven six, it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. You know what he says in Hebrews 11? The, the author of this book says, all of these people please God. Why? Because they had faith. Well, what's, what's faith? He's, he says, here it is, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Here's the thing they testified to with their lives. If you listen to what they're saying, if you listen to what they did, here's what they're saying, two things. God's real. He exists. He's creator. He's in control. He's in charge of everything we see. He is real. And, and one other thing, oh, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Listen, he's good. He is for you. And he made you for himself. He made you to run this race, and your only goal is him. And if you have that as your goal, listen, there's a reward, there's good in the end. 
There's a reward not that you earn, but a reward that he gives just because he's good. He's good because his heart is for you. This is what they're saying again and again with their lives. They've given up putting their lives towards everything they can see for a kingdom that they can't see. And here's what they're telling us again and again and again. It's worth it. It's worth it. Give your lives to this. Here's what they say. He says somewhere else in Hebrews 11, a little later on, he says this, all these people were still living by faith when they died. That sounds good, right? Living by faith. I want to live by faith when I died. Do you know what that means? Here's what it means. They did not receive the things promised. Oh. Is that, is that what it means to live by faith until I die? Is that some of the things God promised I might not see? Yeah. That's what it means. But they gave that all up anyway. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from afar, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. They don't belong. Ever feel like you don't belong? Ever look out at the world around you, listen to the news, and feel like I don't belong here? That can actually be a good and godly feeling. These men and women, their lives from the outside looked crazy. Looked like outcasts. Strangers in this world. They do not belong. In their cultures, in their times, they did not belong because they weren't living for what they could see. They were living for what they couldn't see. And it didn't make sense because some of them even died without seeing it. But they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They're saying again and again and again, you look at our lives from a worldly sense, we gave up everything. And you don't see the fruit. But listen to our stories. Listen to what we're really saying. It's worth giving it all up. It's worth not living for what you can see, but living for this kingdom that we can't see because it's promised And the one who's promised, he exists, he's real, he's in control of everything, and he's good. And if you run this race pursuing him, I guarantee there's good coming. Will we listen to the witnesses? Who are you listening to in your life? What voices are you listening to? We have so much time in our lives to listen to listen to, maybe, maybe in your job you got to listen to uh, economic experts or engineering experts. Maybe in your role as a parent, you listen to parenting experts. Maybe, I don't know what you're listening to, but are you listening to those who have gone before you and who are on the same race as you, who are pursuing God with all of their hearts and minds, who are pursuing this kingdom that we can't see? Who are you listening to? Because it's easy to walk around this week. It's going to be easy to walk around and listen to all these voices that are living for this kingdom that they can see. That are trying to build up everything they can here. And I'm not saying we can't learn anything from them. All truth is God's truth. If there's something good they say, it's actually whether they know it or not, it's God speaking through them and God's truth that they're identifying whether they attributed to him or not. So you can learn some things from them, sure. Man, but, but are you listening to them all the time? Are you listening to the voices of the ones who have run the only race that matters? 
and the ones who are going to tell you again and again and again, it's worth it. Listen to the witnesses. And then this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Well, and we've heard this before, right? I kind of know how to do this. Lay aside the sin that so easily entangles. And the, the idea here, when it says that it easily entangles, he's imagine, the, the writers imagine us as these runners, right? And he's saying as you're running, you're not going to run with a backpack full of weights on you. Runners in those days, they, they trained with weights hanging from their belts and hanging from their backs. But when they really ran the race, when they really got ready to compete, they set the weights down because who would run with weights? You run better without weights. They don't hold you back. And he, and he says, the sin that so easily entangles. The, those runners, you know what they did? They, they, they didn't wear a lot of clothes back then. Thankfully, we wear more clothes now when we run. But back then, they didn't wear a lot of clothes. Back, back, even, even now, we wear, who would go running with, with a big old robe around them? Back then, he's saying, like, would you go running with a big old robe? No, you're not going to go running with this loose robe because as you start to run, it's going to entangle in your feet. It's going to trip you up. And today, I think, I think of me, you know, winter's coming at some point. I know the weather's crazy, and we've been in the 60s or whatever, and up and down, and all this stuff that should have been snow should have been, is, is actually rain. So as much as we don't like rain, you, a lot of you are happy. I'm not too happy because I like snow. But when I, when I, I yeah, that's fine. I like snow. You can't stop me. But when the snow comes, what do I do? I, I put on my big boots and I put on uh, uh, long johns underneath. And then I put on jeans. And then I wear these overpants that are like this, this uh, I don't know, shiny material that keeps the snow from sticking to them. I'm not sure what it is. But I have these snow. So I got like three layers here. And I've got a t-shirt, and then I've got a long sleeve shirt, and then sometimes I have long johns over that, and then I have a big old coat, and I've got big thick gloves. You know what's amazing, though, is when I go, in that, I go out that stuff, that's pretty good for shoveling, right? My kids go out bundled up, maybe not quite as much, but almost as much as I am, and they go out in the snow and they run. I don't know how they do it. I try to run with them, and I'm clomping along in these boots, and I fall over. If I'm really going to run... You know what I didn't do that day that I went to that workout? I didn't, go show, I didn't show up in boots and four layers and snow pants and a big old thick coat because it was going to trip me up. You're not dressed for running. And the author here is saying, like, are you dressed for the race? You're a runner. Too late to bow out of this one. This is your race. Are you dressed for it or not? Or do you have all these weights that are dragging you back? Do you have this backpack full of bricks? And we know what some of those bricks are in our lives, right? We identify those sins, and I know what they are in your life. There are addictions in our lives. Pornography, lust, greed, laziness. I don't know what you're prone to. Maybe it's food, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs. But we have these big sins, these big bricks in our lives. And some of us, by the grace of God, me included, some of us have brought these bricks to Jesus and in the presence of other people, and we've laid down the bricks already. And so you hear this, you say, well, gosh, throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. I can tell you stories about sin and how easily it entangles. But by the grace of God, I look at my life today and I don't have any bricks. Because this is what the bricks are. And we box, here's what we do. We box sin in. 
And we think if we don't have those weights anymore, if we've laid those bricks down, we're good. And the rest of the stuff that we're running with, I guess it's just the way life is. I mean, it's just something I got to put up with. Do you know there's more though? Like we box sin in and sin looks this way and we've got our list of what the bricks are. And if we're not carrying any of those things that are on our list, we're good. Or I don't know if we're good, but maybe it's tough some days, but we, we just still run. And I guess we got to just put up with all the rest. And, and he's saying, no, like lay down everything. There's another assumption here, not just that you're runners, but there are things in your lives that are going to hinder your race. Are you laying them down? Not just the bricks, you know, not just your list of boxed-in sins and the big major ones and the ones that if you don't have, you're doing okay, but are you laying it all down? See, because we box sin in like that and then we don't identify sin in our lives because it's not on our list. Let me tell you how this played out in my life recently. Uh, We were coming to the new year and one thing Rach and I do every new year is I really like this practice is we, we get reflective about our lives. And we don't necessarily put resolutions around our lives, but we would put a word around our year. And it's really cool to see how God unfolds the word. But as we come to the end of a year, we're looking not just forward and ahead at what he does, but we look back at what our lives have been. And as I started doing that this year, usually I, I was looking forward to the year. I was looking forward to a new start and a new season. And then I started to look back and I started to get depressed. You ever do this? You look back at your life and think, take stock of where you're at and you think, man, I'm just not... Just not where I thought I would be now. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of just, I'm still wrestling with some of the thing, same things that I was wrestling with. My life doesn't look as different as I thought it would be right now. And I thought I would be further along because God did amazing things this year. And as I looked ahead to now, I thought I'd be further along than even than I was a few months ago. And I get to this place in my life and I'm just like, God, what? Did, I just, I'm disappointing myself. I must be disappointing you. Like, I'm stuck. And I just started feeling hopeless. Like, life is always going to, like, there's things I've dealt with. There's work that God has done in my life. But there's these areas of life that I'm just stuck in and are never going to change. And I just, I guess I just got to put up with it. And then we started into this series, All Things New. And God started whispering through a lot of different ways, through Pastor Mark last week and a lot of other ways. Listen. Everything new. Do you know everything? That means all the ways you think you're stuck. My intention for you is not to be stuck forever. And I realized some of the thought patterns I was having that I'm stuck, that this is never going to change, that I'm always going to have to deal with this, that I'm disappointing to myself and disappointing to, my, to God, and that's just the way it's going to be. And I realized that was sin. I never would have called it that because, man, I'm already down on myself, right? I'm that down on myself, and then I'm going to shame myself by saying, well, you're sinning too. Way to go, pal. And we hesitate to call stuff sin, but listen, it's sin. Do you know we can call stuff sin? And God was so gentle in this. He revealed it was sin. Like I had a thought patterns in my life that were directly contrary to the word of God. That is sin. And you know what? He was so gently revealed it and he, it, it didn't shame me for it. Do, do you know we can call it, we can identify sin in our own lives and we don't have to take on shame? That's what Jesus died for. 
He, he died to take, he took all, he endured all the shame. That's what it says. He did it all so you wouldn't have to. And now we're, we can identify sin in our own lives and just say like, this is, this is holding me back. I don't have to shame myself for carrying this bag of bricks for years. I can just lay it down. Because he died so I could lay it down. And I don't have to pick up shame. Listen, what's holding you back? What's not on your list of bricks that you haven't laid down yet? Are you willing to look in the mirror and identify that for yourself? Are you willing to ask others in your lives? Because do you know what? Jesus died to take away our shame. So I can have others call out faults in me and I don't have to take on shame. That's a hard lesson to learn. But you can. If you can't look in the mirror and see one, can you, can you ask a few other trusted people in your lives to say, hey, listen, like, is there something I need to lay down? Can you lay it down? So I, I remember there was a friend of mine from Baltimore that uh, ran marathons. I thought he was nuts. But he ran marathons. And uh, he ta- told me, this one time about this marathon that he ran, and he got to the starting line, right? And there's all these hundreds, thousands maybe of racers. And most of the runners you don't know. Maybe you're with a friend or or, or something, but you don't know most of the racers. And the guy in front of him, he didn't know who he was, but the guy in front of him, right before the race started, they're down to like 30 seconds left. And the last thing he does before the gun goes off to start the race is he pulls out his chapstick. And he puts chapstick on his lips. And then he throws it away. I said, what are you... You just littered. Why did you do that? He says, I don't want that holding me back. Then give me a break. <laughs> it's chapstick. Like, uh, I can't even see what the weight is. Net weight, 0.15 ounces. 0.15 ounces. Is that really going to hold you back? Aren't you being a little intense? Aren't you being overboard? His eyes were so fixed on the goal, so fixed with running the best race that he could, that he didn't want anything, not even 0.15 ounces to hold him back. And I wonder if there's things in our lives. We say, well, that's not a big deal. It's not a brick. It's not that much. I can't even really tell if it's slowing me down. But it's not helping you forward. And I wonder if some of us, if we were brave enough to look in the mirror, to actually examine our lives, would we reach in our pockets and would we find that we have 50, 60, 80, 100 sticks of chapsticks that we've just said, well, that's just how life is? And that's not holding me back, and that's not holding me back, and that's not holding me back. Oh, but, oh, if we could just lay them all down. Will you lay this down? How do you do that? There's no magic formula to laying it down. So what I'm going to say is nothing new. Sorry. Best way to lay something down is bringing it into the light. That's it. Bring it into the light before God and before at least one trusted other person. You got to have both. See, see, when I realized I was in that cycle of despair and depression and blah, 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 and everything I, I just went through, you know what I did? I, I brought it before, I actually, 
see what I've, I've done for, for years, I think. When I've had these thought patterns come up is I kind of box that part of myself off from God. And then I go to pray and I kind of clean myself up and I talk to God about every other area of my life, but not that one, as if he can't see it. And we, we, can, we can play. We can act, we can joke with ourselves as if God couldn't see this area of our lives. And then we go before him and we open his word and we pretend that we're not that person carrying that chapstick or that brick. And he says, bring it all to me. And bring it all to me and lay it down. And so we go before God and we don't hide that, that very part of ourselves. I, let, I read this book one time and the, the author was talking about how Jesus is the shepherd who lays down, who will leave the 99 sheep and go after the one. And he says it's like this for us as individuals. Jesus will leave the 99% of our souls that he's already captured and he will go after that 1% of your heart that you've still left in the dark. Are you allowing Jesus to go after that 1% that's still in the dark, that chapstick, and bring it out and lay it down before him and then lay it down before one trusted other? And so you know what I did after I talked to God about it? Is I, I, Thursday mornings, I do a confessional community online with some folks, and I, and I got out with three other people, and I sat there and I told them about it. And I just said, listen, this is what I was going through, and this is what I felt, and this is what I experienced, and this is what God told me to lay down because he called it sin. And you know, the more you do that, the more you start to share with others in your life, safe people in your lives, that this is, this is what I've gone through and this is the brick I've been carrying. Do you know what? You get brave enough to share when you're tempted to go back to that brick. When you're tempted to pick up the chapstick before you pick it up. Now, now I have people that I can go back and I can say, like, listen, do you know that cycle of despair I was talking about last week? I was tempted to go there again. And, and now I don't have to be afraid because it's all in the light. This is, there's, bring it to the light before God and others. I read this uh, this week. It said, a life of holiness is living with nothing hidden. We think of holiness is living perfectly. It says, you want to live holy? Live with nothing hidden. Are you willing to lay it down? Lay down those weights. So that freedom looks so far away when you're carrying the bricks and the chapstick, right? But you gotta remember that you're not alone. You're not alone. That's why you bring it to the light before God and before others because you are not alone in this. You know when I was doing that crazy workout, before I went, I read some things about the workout and they had this phrase that said, leave no man behind. I thought, well, that's... Sounds good. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. And as soon as we started running that first half mile, I thought, man, I am going to be dead last because I don't belong here. Do you know what? I was right. I was dead last every single one of those times. For the four or five times we ran, I, I was last. But do you know what? I was never running alone. Oh, that's what it meant. <laughs> I'm running there like the third time. And I was, I was the slowest guy in the pack, but there, were two, there was a guy on either side of me. Like, listen, I, I, I don't know if you don't feel like you don't belong in this race. If you feel like there's, there are others you might be holding back in your life. If you feel like you have, have held on to bricks that you should have laid down years ago. If you're shaming yourself in this. Listen, you are not alone in this. That's why we bring it to the light. Because if brothers and sisters running beside you and they're after the same goal, just like the witnesses, they're looking to him. 
And he's run this race too. And so here's the last thing. We lay down the weights. And that says this, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then it says this, and this is where it gets to the part of, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, right? Maybe you're in that place today and you're, you don't want to grow weary. You don't want to lose heart. Okay, tell me what the fix is. You need a shot of adrenaline in your souls. What's, what's, how do I get that? And here's the crazy thing. Here's the way it says to do that. Consider him. You don't want to feel down? You want to feel a different way? Think about this. Think about him. Okay. Been doing that for a while. Thought about him. Doesn't feel like it's working. No, think about him some more. I, I've, you say, I've read all this stuff. This verse and so many other verses sound familiar to me. No, but have you considered? Like, like, like do you stop and consider the word of God? Do you ca- stop and consider this race that Jesus run? The, the, the pioneer of our faith. He ran the whole thing ahead of us. Are you looking and considering how he ran? Not just listening to the words but are you soaking your lives in it? Like, are we doing, how do, how do we do this? Like, this looks so many ways. I, I, I'll remind you of one. I was going to say show you one, but it reminds you of one. Because we talked about this in the fall. Pastor Jeff talked about these burning bushes, right? Soaking in the word of God. Reading the word of God, not just to read the word of God, but to hear from him. To be in relationship with him. And to say, Holy Spirit, what are you drawing my eyes to? And so there I was a week and a half ago in my like, nothing's going to change and I'm stuck. And I'm reading the word of God. And I decided to, I don't know why, because the Holy Spirit led me there. I do know why. I said, well, I don't know how to start this news, so I'm going to read Acts again. Because they were off to a fresh start, right? Jesus just rose again, and now they're living life in light of the resurrection. So I'm going to read about that and hopefully learn about it because I feel like I need to live my life in the light of the resurrection again. So maybe I can read, and maybe I can learn something from there. And I'm reading through there in, in Acts chapter 2, and Peter's preaching to the people, and, I, and I'm kind of just half-heartedly reading because I know this stuff, right? I've heard the gospel before. And he says this, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. Well, here we go. He's going to talk about Jesus dying on the cross. I know all this. I've heard all this before. But consider him. Consider him. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. As you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then it goes on, and I started reading, and I kept reading on, and I realized I was kind of zoning out. And I said, okay, i got to read that again. Like, Spirit, just draw my, my attention to some words. And so I read it again, and I zoned out again, and I said, Spirit, draw my attention to some words. And so I read it again, and I... I read this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And I read it again and the Holy Spirit drew me to that, like the burning bush right there was. 
it was not possible for him to be held by it. Yeah, I know Jesus rose again, but like, listen, it was not possible for him to be held by death. Consider him. Consider that he rose again. Consider that it was not possible for him to be held by death. And here I am in this stuck place, in this place where I'm never going to get out of and thinking nothing's going to change. And I actually stop and I consider him. And consider him some more. This Jesus who willingly went to death, who willingly went to the place where there was no hope of any change whatsoever. The ultimate, you talk about stuck places. This is the ultimate stuck place. This is the absolute end. There is no hope. There is nothing but darkness. There is nothing after and nothing other than this. There is just death. He entered that place where nothing was going to change, where it was impossible for anything to change, where just my, like my life in that moment, it felt impossible for anything in my life to change. He went in to the very place where it was complete and utterly truthful to say there, it is impossible for anything to ever change because this is death. And he turned it around. He flipped it on its head. And all of a sudden, you know what was impossible? It was impossible for him to be held by it. It was impossible for him to remain stuck. It was impossible for him to continue on in this way. It was impossible for things to remain the same because he, the Savior, the Creator, the Lord of the universe, actually entered this stuck place of death for us and conquered it. And the place of death was no longer defined what was impossible. Jesus defined what was impossible. And what was impossible was that he would ever be stuck by the cords and the hands of death. It was impossible for them to keep their grip on him. And all of a sudden, my soul was shot through with adrenaline. And all of a sudden, I wasn't losing heart because as stuck as I felt, this Jesus who unstuck everything that would, that would keep us stuck, he is the same Jesus who is in me and you. He is the same Jesus who has gone and run this race before. Like, when are we considering him? Do you look to the winner? When you are stuck and when you are down and when you're picking up your brick again and you have trouble laying it down, are you looking to him who has run the race before? Or do you think, well, I've just read all this before. I know this stuff. Why would it tell us to consider him. Why is that the solution? Because there's something there you haven't seen before. You think it's all the same old scenery. So do I. There's something new you just haven't seen it before. Will you consider him? And all the voices that you could listen to this week, will you listen to the witnesses that tell you this race is worth running no matter what? So lay it down. Sacrifice everything you can see to run this race for the thing that you can't see yet. Because this God is true, and he is real, and he makes it worth it. Are you listening to the witnesses? Are you willing to lay down the weights that you maybe been carrying, and maybe they're not bricks, but they're chapsticks? They're still holding you back. Are you willing to lay them down? Are you looking to the one who actually won this race? When you think winning is not possible, he actually run ran this race and won it? Are you considering him with your lives? Are you getting content and bored with the same old scenery? 
God, help us. Let's run with endurance. Let's get about it because this is real. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run, because we're runners, with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you have gone before us in this life. And when we are weary and when we lose heart or when we just get bored and need a shot of adrenaline shot into our souls, God, your word and your truth meets us at that very place. And God, I thank you that you have shown yourself good and real and faithful and a rewarder to hundreds and thousands and billions of people before us. God, help us to listen to their stories. There's so much we could listen to in our lives. And we get distracted by it. We get enticed by it. God, help us to listen to the stories of those who have gone before, who have run and know it's worth it. God, give us courage to lay down our weights, to bring them into your light, in your presence, in the presence of others in our lives, to bring them there and lay them down because they're just not helping us in this race. And this run to you is all that matters. And God, fix our eyes. Our eyes get broken, Lord. They look all these other places. Fix them. Repair them so that they look on you. Fix our eyes on you, Jesus. For you've gone before us. You've won this race. And you are the one who is calling us home. God, thank you for your spirit alive in your people. So for those of us who have called you Lord and Savior, Jesus, this is not a race about our own strength. This is a race where we experience your strength in us. Be strong in us and for us today. That we might run and not grow weary, and that we might walk and not faint, and we will praise you for it. It's in your holy and precious name, Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Family of grace, would you stand once again and let's worship him.